Hello, 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 and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the 52 Week Film Project. Uh, Last week I mentioned in the Captain Marvel episode, uh, go back and listen to that one, it's a cracker, um, that I'm going to um, do a little special bonus episode for Fighting With My Family, um, a WWE Studios production, Um, and to, to join me on this podcast is the delightful, the fantastic, the wonderful, the beautiful, my good friend, Mr. Tom Thornhill. How are you doing, buddy? Uh, very well, mate. Super excited to be on the podcast. I'm so excited. I finally made it. Here I am. On the I film know. Podcast. I love it. I know. It's great. It's great. It's great. I'm really, I'm, I can't tell you how thrilled I am to have you here. Um, Delighted to be here, my friend. Delighted to be here. Me and Tom first met each other at university. And about, I'd say about six months later, no, about maybe four months later, we discovered that we were both crazy big wrestling fans yeah we discovered this shared love didn't we that i think a lot of people like us you kind of keep it a little bit hidden i don't know why it's not it's not cool really to like wrestling. no not at all and uh we, we finally got through and we discovered that not only did we both like it that we've been following it pretty obsessively since we were kids exactly yes so i suppose my first question um is i'm gonna talk i'm gonna talk about wrestling first it says when did you first come when did you first come across wrestling so, because um, I'm the youngest of five, I'm the baby of five in the family, both the siblings that I lived with when I was young, they were both big wrestling fans. So I saw it really early. I think my earliest memory is probably the 2000 King of the Ring. Okay. Wow, uh, that is early. It was a long time ago. I was young. I was young. I am a couple of years older than Will, I should say. Not many, but I'm a couple of years older than Will. And yeah, I just about remember King of the Ring. Uh, and I just remember just falling in love with the... As a lot of people think, why do you like the violence? Why do you like that? And it, for me, it was all about the show. Um mm. I got lost in a land of tights and lycra and bright colours and bright lights. <laughs> and to be honest, I've never come back. I'm still there. They've still got me. They've still got me. Oh, 100%. Um, well, just talking about the age difference, me and Tom realised the other day that the perfect defining thing for our age gap is that I used my, ma- my maths for our international audience. That's a, um, it's a maths um, website or application that you had on your com- computers back in the day. Um, where it was just sort of like maths games and fun stuff. But essentially, if there was a supply teacher of some description in a class... They you were put, on my maths. You were on my maths. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had it at secondary school and I had it at primary school. Well, so when, that, I was, when I was in primary school, it didn't exist. Oh, and God. I remember I remember, it, I remember, it first came out and got big in my kind of time. I was in like year eight. And the concept for me that you were around using it at primary school, yeah, it threw me off the edge. I, like, <laughs> I am old. I am old after all. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I suppose that my first wrestling... Encounters a bit different to yours because I'm a bit, bit, I got into it a bit later. So I discovered it through my parents buying me a WrestleMania 23 um, annual at the time. And that was the WrestleMania with John Cena versus Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, Great WrestleMania. Great Undertaker WrestleMania. versus Batista. You had that match with Vince McMahon where he shaved his head with Bobby Lashley. That was terrible. <laughs> Battle, <laughs> that, Battle of the Bosses with Donald Trump. Battle of the Bosses with Donald Trump. Trump. I got into it at the Do- Donald Trump point. Uh, where Donald Trump throws a clothesline on Vince McMahon. I know. It's yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Yeah. And then, so I got, so after that, I started getting into it a lot. A lot. And I used to watch the WWE Experience on Sky 1 and Sky 2. I don't know I if you remember that. It. I don't. I never had Sky. I never had Sky. How did you I, watch it? I watched wrestling. When I was really young, it was on Terrestrial. No. It was on Channel 4. Oh, wow. That's another age gap thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, then, and then when I got to the age of about eight or nine, it went off terrestrial. And then the only access I had to it was my parents would very, very occasionally buy my brother a VHS uh, uh, of, of, of it. And then he would uh, he would let me watch it. 
Um, but yeah, no, uh, it went off terrestrial. And for a little while, so the period where you were really into it was the period where I kind of fell away. I was there right at the end of the Attitude Era. Yeah. And then I kind of fell away and then I got back into it kind of 2011, 2012. Kind of around the time that uh, Paige starts to become... Uh, involved in the scene really yes very very true Paige is obviously the rest of from fighting with the family we haven't actually said so for the purposes of this um, her real name is Soraya Jade is that right or Soraya Jade Soraya Jade Knight Soraya Jade Knight which is an amazing name I don't know why she didn't keep that one but but it's also her mother's wrestling name well it's confusing isn't it so yeah her mother wrestled as Sweet Soraya and then named her actual daughter after her performance name after her ring name which creates a lot of confusion. So I think we've decided, haven't we, that to... Because throughout the film, she's referred to as Brittany and Soraya and Paige. I think we've decided to just stick with Paige. Yeah, Paige. We'll just go with Paige. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Couple more wrestling pre-gaming questions. Um, so I've, we sort of covered why do you love wrestling so much. I, me and you are the same. It's, it's about the bright colours. It's about the showmanship. Mm-hmm. It's about the... It's, the... it's the campest show in town. Exactly. It always has been. Yeah. And... Which is which is what's so crazy about it to me is that it's got this sort of like reputation of having quite a lot of redneck fans, mm-hmm. but actually it's 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 the campus thing for those sort of redneck fans. If it it if it just had taken place in a different time or was not owned by the McMahons or something else, it could be a very different story about inclusivity in the wrestling world. Um, question: Who is your favourite wrestler? Uh, so um, it's always a little bit of a cop out because he had three good characters, but my. You know, I, I remember the Attitude Era, and I remember I've always cheered for the underdog. I'm a big sports fan in any sport. I always cheer for the underdog. And I remember the first thing I was watching was Mick Foley as Mankind, just getting beaten up and beaten up week after week. And he sold it better than anyone's ever sold being beaten up. And uh, also the Royal Rumble 2002, Mick Foley came out as three different characters. He wrestled alternately as, as Mankind. Uh, Dude Love and Cactus Jack and that for me that level of kind of performance blew my mind so yeah. I've always loved Mick Foley and I read his book and he's of course a New York bestseller yes he now. is um, and he's a fantastic fantastic writer so he's got those two aspects so for me it would have to be Mick Foley well okay mine's a bit less cultured than yours I think it's it mine's twofold it's either pre um, when Kane had the mask still Kane like I just, I just remember watching YouTube clips. Was this of Silent Kane? When Silent Kane, Kane apparently had no voice box. Silent Kane. Yeah, he was Silent scary. Kane was amazing. He was, they should never have let him speak. No, never. It ruined the character <laughs> it completely. Did. It did I agree? Um, or, um, and this might be because I fancy him, but it's mainly because I just, I just found his wrestling style so amazing. Uh, John Morrison. John or Johnny a great Nitro. wrestler. Yeah. Or Johnny Nitro. Fantastic great, great wrestler. wrestler. I never, I don't think ever showed his best form in, in the WWE, but. Um, he's doing good stuff on the Mexican circuit now, he isn't he? Is, he's he doing is, a. He is. He as, as as with a lot of people who had an early push. The WWE, I think, took him too soon. Yes. Um, with a lot of that generation, they took them too soon. They should have given him another five years to develop, I think. But great wrestler and beautiful, beautiful man. Beautiful, beautiful man. I remember very clearly when him and um, the Miz were doing. Oh, what's it called? They they had those YouTube online videos where they where they'd do like silly skits and stuff, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. like the it was like what the Hardys. Did now it's like another or oh, the Zack Ryder and um, the other person, <laughs> Zack Ryder and Zack Ryder. Correct. Yeah, That's exactly. How about Zack Ryder, yeah. It, um, what did with YouTube? And I thought that was amazing. I thought it was a really, really good, funny thing. Um, now moving on to film. Um, what is your favorite film and why? My favorite film. Yeah. Uh, okay, so my, I know the answer to this. I think. So yeah, so my favorite film of all time is a is a film called Gattaca. Uh, starring Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman. 
Uh, and it's a dystopia. Uma Thurman? Yeah, Uma Thurman. Well, actually, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman met on the set of that film. Oh, yes. And then they got married. Yes, yes, yes. That's, that's where they met, on the set of Gattaca. I keep on forgetting that she's... I, I always think of those performances as Jude Law and Ethan Hawke, but crucially, Uma Thurman has such a big part of that film. Uma Thurman's fantastic in that film. Mm. I, think, I think it's where... Because Uma Thurman spent her career just playing Uma Thurman, hasn't she? And I yes. think that film, for me, is one of the places where she plays Uma Thurman the best. Yeah. <laughs> Does that make sense? I, I think she's great in that film. And I, yeah, Gattaca, this kind of dystopian sci-fi all about um, sort of social engineering uh, and I love it I love I, that kind of thing for me I don't know I, I don't think anything can beat her performance in Batman and Robin <laughs> it's a great performance it's a great performance, performance. <laughs> it's just her making loads of puns it's just wonderful she's clearly uh, having fun in that performance isn't she exactly and you don't see her have fun that much yes and it does feel like she's having fun so I'm with you I'm with you on that um this is an interesting question. Um, this, I suppose this will be the last one before you actually move on to the film review. Um, what is similar in wrestling to the process of a film, if that makes sense? So in terms of the acting, in terms of the videos, the multimedia that's in it, the idea of the scenes, the idea of the composition mm-hmm. of the, mm-hmm. what's being created. Sure. sure, so it's a really good question, and I think it's something that was really brought up in the film as well. But obviously the world of wrestling is, you know, a lot of people say, but isn't it fake? And of course it's not fake. They're, they're, they're scripted. It's yes. staged, as I used to get told by my jiu-jitsu teacher when I was young. It's not fake, it's staged. And uh, the th- so the thing about that is for them to, to sell that, that staged performance, you know, as with almost any theatre production or film, you know, you know, most people know the beats that a film is going to hit. Most people, when you watch a film, they know where it's going to go. And really, it's the, it's the same with wrestling. You know, wrestling fans, they know the beats. They know, they know where the momentum's going to go. The skill is in having the presence and the personality and the character to sell that to an audience who, who really already know what's coming. Yeah. Uh, which, is a, which is an incredible skill. So that's kind of the in-ring performance. But then obviously, particularly in the kind of multimedia world we live in now, the WWE superstars have to be skilled performers. They have to be able to deliver to a camera, often only in one take, you know, uh, a promo full of energy and excitement um, and if they if they can't nail that part, as the film helpfully shows, if they can't nail that part of it, they're not going to be a wrestler. Yep. You can have all the technical skills you want, but if you can't sell and you can't talk on the mic, you've got no chance. They're not going to make it. Exactly. And I think it's it's shown that WWE superstars have crossed over to film in lots of popular ways. Some make it and some don't. And the reason that some don't make it in film is because they a lot of them who are playing characters in, in the wrestling world, and are, in, in my opinion, like Kane or... Um, the Undertaker and stuff like that. They sort of that character has the, become them in their multimedia presence. Mm-hmm. Whereas someone like The Rock, you can translate The Rock into a lot of films, and that character is that character would work. And I think it, he adds a lot of nuance behind it to the eyebrows. The, the like what made The Rock so special was the fact that he was electrifying. Well, both or the people's elbow, the most electri- electrifying move in sports entertainment. Yes, you know, widely regarded as the worst finishing move in the history of WWE. Yeah, it's terrible, but. You know that moment where he kind of bucks himself up, he rips off his uh, he rips off his shoulder pads and he throws it into the audience, and then you know Jim Ross shouts the most electrifying move in sports entertainment. You believe it? Yep. Every single time as a child, I was like, oh my god, I cannot believe he's about to drop the people's elbow, and it's a, it's a terrible move, and it's because The Rock is an incredibly incredibly charismatic man, and that goes back with Hulk Hogan as well. Hulk Hogan's finishing moves were terrible. Hulk Hogan, who of course was in Rocky Three. 
Yes, uh, Hulk Hogan, who was in Rocky Three, pl- plays Thunderlips in Rocky Three, and he's pretty good. He's pretty good in it, actually. You know, yeah. he is playing an extension of himself. Doesn't but... he play, did play? Isn't he in a ballet film as well? I can't remember what the film's called. You know, what? he's a ballet. He's. He's. I remember. I remember vividly of, of watching Hulk Hogan in a video, like, like mid nineties or early eighties or late eighties, where he's in a pink tutu. I, oh, it's the Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. Yes. Hulk Hogan is the Tooth yes, Fairy. He is. You're right. He is. And actually, he got that part. Because of his part in Rocky Three. God. Yeah, you go. Excellent so, reference. Excellent. Thank reference. you. Okay. Thanks, darling. Um, <laughs> right, I suppose we should dive into this film, Fighting with My Family. So this is based on a documentary that aired on Channel Four um, called "The Wrestler Fighting with My Family," and it documents um, uh, Paige, which we are now calling Paige for the purpose mm-hmm, of this, mm-hmm. her family and. Um, her journey from wrestling in Norwich as part of a family business, the WAW, um, to getting the call up with her brother, um, Zach or Zach Zodiac Knight, um, to the WWE trials. This then has a good outcome for Paige. She then gets on the trial. Um, she then moves to LA, but her brother is stuck in Norwich where he has real crisis about him losing out on his dream, but also like trying to work out his support for his sister at the same time. Um, initial thoughts going into this film. So before you actually saw the film, in terms of the publicity, I was not that excited about it. I was nervous. I have to say, yeah. I was I was nervous. The WWE does not have a particularly strong record. I mean, their most recent output has been crossovers with the Flintstones and Surfs Up, um, which are all pretty all pretty terrible. Um, mm. I don't have a huge amount of faith in WWE studios, but. Um, I thought, you know, it looked different. Stephen Merchant was involved. I had, you know, I'm a big fan of Stephen Merchant. I've been a fan of him since since his cameo in The Office. Um, and I love I love watching him on screen. And obviously he's now moved into a lot more directing work. And I, I thought if there was anyone that could do it, I thought Stephen Merchant might be able to. Yeah, I agreed. I just, what, my big thing about it was that I thought that Stephen Merchant would have written a good draft script and would have directed well. In the editing process and in terms of what WWE would allow, I thought this film would be ruined. I thought it would just turn into some kind of promotion for the products. And you kind of get an idea of that in the advertising for it because it's so rock-focused. The rock is in this film quite a lot. He executive produces the film. I just watched a WWE video of Paige meeting Florence Pugh, the person who plays her, in the film. And it's remarkable how many times The Rock is called, not executive producer, but producer, and also it's called The Rock's Film. So WWE is trying to sell this as The Rock's Film because they have such a good relationship with The Rock still. Mm-hmm. Um, if that relationship fails, as we were talking about yesterday, mm-hmm. they lose lots of lots of money and merchandise. I mean, he's their, he is their money in the bank, isn't he? Well, that's a, such a good reference because it's a pay-per-view. Oh, I love it. Um, I'm glad you were pleased with that one. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> I thought I'd, I had a great time. Um... Yeah, so I was a bit worried about it going into the film. Having said that, um, did the film change your mind about the advertising? Did what did you? What was your initial thoughts of the film? First, I first thoughts of like, well, no, let's not not first thoughts, but like general thoughts of the film. On the film, so yeah. I suppose the first thing to say overall is, as a huge WWE fan, who's loved WWE all my life, and the first thing I ever wanted to be was a wrestler. And you know, the film opens uh, with a clip of the two young children who go on to be the brother and sister leads of the film um them watching you know a pay-per-view in i think 1999 2001 and um that's one of my earliest memories and they didn't let me down they i, I thought they produced a really really enjoyable solid a lot of respect for what the wrestling community represents to a lot of people uh good funny film with heart with heart 
And uh, I couldn't ask for much more than that, to be honest with you. No, I think I'm very similar. I think it took me a bit a, a while to like emotionally warm to the film. I had to I had to work out what pieces were playing. I think for me, the film properly starts with a with um, a scene where the the family is round a dinner table with um, Zach's girlfriend and his parents, played by Stephen Merchant and. Uh, Judy Judy Davis Judy da- Julia Davis um, playing Daphne who was Gavin and Stacey she was Dawn Sutcliffe she's, she's from Pete and Dawn it's, uh, it's Dawn from Julia yeah and of course Julia Davis has worked with Stephen Merchant a lot of times yes I have to say that I, I've seen Julia Davis in quite a few things and I really like her and I and this is shocking I didn't realise it was her no not I, I did not realise it was her I, you know they've done a good job with the makeup she's a great character actor and um, she doesn't have much to do apart from look offended at some sex jokes. Um, but she does a good job. She yeah. does a good job. And it's just the, the banter there is just, it, it's the awkward, dry humour that I was not expecting in this film. It's very sort of, I, I don't want to say British humour, but British humour mm-hmm. in a way. Mm-hmm. Just sort of dry, mm-hmm. sardonic, um, a bit a bit gaudy. Um, and it really worked. I think Nick Frost and Lena Headey play really well off each other mm-hmm. as a married couple. You really believe that they are the both the, both the parents of these two children, but also, like, complete wrestlers have had a bit of a, a storied past. But they present themselves in such a funny comic and kind of... It's just real. It's just so real, man. It's just mm-hmm. real. For sure, yeah. I mean, that was the thing. You really, really did buy at every point. I mean, I have to say, I give the greatest respect to the performances of uh, Nick Frost and Lena Headey because they were... At, at no point did I ever think that they had not had this life of crime and pain and struggle uh, with their, you know, their oldest son, we should say the, the half-brother of Paige. Yes, that's an important uh, distinction. Is, is imp- who was also a wrestler, who also tried out for WWE, he, throughout the film, is in prison. Because mm. uh, he, he had had a tryout himself, had been rejected from WWE, gone off the rails, had loads of violence, and was in prison. And you could see the pain of that, even in these quite comic characters. I really felt like they were carrying that pain of, you know, failed dreams and a life of real struggle yeah and I think that's a, that also you know a lot of that has to go to credit to Stephen Merchant for his script because it would, be, it would have been very easy to just use them as the comic relief of the film and in fact I, I felt really like they were like we, we were there with them on their journey yeah what, what part of the story do you most relate with do you relate with the part that's set in the UK when, when it splits into a story of two halves in a way mm-hmm. splits into Paige's journey through LA and then Zach and the rest of the family's journey back at home um, for me, I think the, the I think Zach, uh, the actor who plays Zach, is called I think Jack Loudon, mm-hmm. um, and I think his performance um, once he gets rejected is is truly stunning. It's that sort of, it's it's I think you we talked about it yesterday and you and you were saying sort of like informed by postnatal depression, but also depression of losing all of his dreams. Mm-hmm. And it's just sort of this silent emptiness that mm-hmm. like that he doesn't talk that much, but all of it is done with his eyes and just like s- subtle looks at the camera. It's just, it's just dead. And you, and you see him wake up during the, f- the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And it's quite mm-hmm. remarkable because like, it's, diff- it's a different actor in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So that for me, that's my, my favourite segment of the film is like that stuff at home well for me I think that's when the film is at its strongest yes is when you have that is when we have the the contrast between Paige getting up every day she's in the gym she's training she's following the dream she's at the WWE Performance Centre you know and even the grading of the film you know it looks very glamorous where she is they've even graded it and the lighting and everything it looks you know it looks like she's she's in the land of dreams and then of course they you've got dull grey 
council estate Norwich. And you see the, the kind of gaps between where those siblings have got to with their dreams. And that, for me, I think is one of the films that is strongest when you have that kind of pull between these two kind of these two kind of very very different places that both of them could have ended up. Mm. And of course you really feel, certainly I really felt like it, you know, a tiny twist of fate and it could have been the other way around. Could have been Paige there in Norwich and uh, and Zodiac Zach there at the Ruby Performance Centre. And uh, as I say, yeah, I think that's one of the films that is strongest. It really, really it was a really, really impressive divide. And you felt that pain. You felt that pain for sure. So I'm just speechless by the fact that you've now used in in the space of five to ten minutes Money in the Bank and Twist of Fate. Mm-hmm, I have. It's two fantastic references. Very I came cool. ready. I came prepared, <laughs> my friend. Don't you worry. I came prepared. That's that's very impressive. Do you use them in your normal language? Because um, I think I've heard Money in the Bank a lot. Like Cash Money in the Bank. I think I don't think it, I I'm not sure, but I suspect having watched WWE all my life, I suspect these things slip in. It's the same as anyone who watches football all their life. You know, talks about a game of two halves. I suspect they uh, they slip in. Yeah. Yes, Tale of Two Cities is my only reference. That's that. <laughs> That's it. Um, what's the next question on this? I've wrote, I've written an extensive list of questions, thoughts, and things. I've done a good preparation on this. I love it, I um, love it my friend. I'm ready. What did you think of the performances? So we talked about what did you... Th- I've, I've split this into what do you think of the performances um, of the family. So I think now we talk about what do you think of the performances, sort of like the WWE staff, uh, the WWE performers, and crucially, The Rock. Um, and also, I suppose, we haven't mentioned Florence Pugh as Paige. No, I think, we, I think we've got to. I think we've got to mention yeah. Florence Pugh. She, uh, she carried the film. She carried yes. the film. Well, she's been in... I've not seen her act in anything before, but she's been in the Maisie, Maisie Williams film, The Falling. Um, not Maisie Williams directed, but Maisie Williams starring film The Falling. And of um, course, Lady Macbeth. Yeah, have you seen that? I have seen Lady Macbeth. What's it, what is it like? Lady Macbeth is is fantastic. It's dark, it's ugly, it's a bit scary. You feel unsettled. And uh, she's amazing. You know, I was I was shocked to discover that she was like 20, 21 when she filmed that because she carries this weight of a, of a woman who's experienced much more. And she's, she's fantastic. How she's much fantastic. range does she exhibit in uh, over the three performances? Does she do the same thing very well, but just in different nuanced things? No, she was, she was, very, she was very, very different in this, in, in her final my family. Very, very different. I have to say, and, you know, credit to this, because Hollywood gets this wrong all the time, is uh, her Norwich accent was pretty good. It was really good. <laughs> you know, I don't have a full back catalogue of, uh, of Norwich accents on film, but I suspect she might rank up there pretty highly. Good. <laughs> she did a good job, I thought. She did a good job. I was listening to an interview with The Rock and he was like, Paige, famously born in London. I was like, come on. You executive produced this film. You can't even get the, net, the, the location right. There is more to England than London. There well, is if, more. In fact, I think, I think the only other impression of someone from Norwich I've ever seen is, of course, Alan Partridge is from Norwich. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and so essentially I've got Florence Pugh and Alan Partridge <laughs> as, my, uh, <laughs> as my kind of touchstones for uh, a Norwich accent. I know. Uh, she did a good job. Yeah, good job. I think so. Yeah, and also I thought she, I thought she carried the the story really really well. I mean, it's hard because particularly when you're playing that lead, she is just surrounded by slightly more interesting characters. Yeah, because she has that success, and when you give a character the their dream, it is just less interesting. I think than someone whose dream has fallen away. And you give the character the dream very quickly into the film as mm-hmm. well. Oh yeah, um, and yeah. obviously there's struggles with that. There's struggles in in like most sports films. There's struggles of like actually making it, but there's a difference between someone striving to make it and someone that fails to make it. 
And I think that's the that's the crucial difference. Mm-hmm. Um, going on to the sort of WWE staff, Vince Vaughn as um, oh, what's his character name called? Hutch Morgan, Hutch Morgan, who is a who is a fictional. I've looked this up. It's he's a fictional character. He's a fictional trainer. Yeah. As I was watching it, I was curious. I was thinking, you know, are we going to get are we going to get a Sergeant Slaughter impression? What are we going to get? Uh, famous Finley. Are we going to get a Fit Finley impression? Because Fit Finley is famously a a coach. He was also a wrestler, but. Um, he used to come out and say, "My name's Finley, and I, I like love to fight. fight." He was great. Uh, had his had his uh, illegitimate son in Hornswoggle. All very all very odd. But he behind the scenes was was the trainer of basically the entire women's generation that we've gone through now. And I was thinking, are they going to use Fit Finley? Are they going to use Sergeant Slaughter, who was a coach beforehand? But um, in the end, it's a fully fictionalized character, and I thought that worked really, really well. I think it would have felt strange for that to have been an identifiable person. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, Vince Vaughn is one of those people where, for me, I'm always slightly surprised when he's doing serious because you feel like he's such a kind of embedded comedy actor. But he, again, he showed me that he really, he really can do it. He really can do it. The character he plays, we should say, is is revealed as having been a kind of uh, a pusher talent, someone designed to to promote a bigger talent. And we find out that the Rock threw him off a roof, uh, and he fell forty feet onto a concrete floor just to try and make the rock look good. And we find out that that's, that's his past quite late on in the film. And from that moment when I found that out, I thought, God, that is actually a really, really well-crafted character because he represents essentially an entire generation of wrestlers who, like Zodiac Zack, don't quite have that spark, that special thing that he talks about Paige having. And seeing him actually turn that into something really positive, the same way, of course, we see Zack become a coach at the end of the film. Yes. Um, the way he's turned that into something positive... Uh, I thought was really, really beautiful. And I, I really bought the connection between him and Paige. That kind of mentor-mentee thing in film, I think, can often feel a little bit contrived. Mm. Uh, I thought it really worked. I thought he did a really, really good job. I liked his relationship with Zach as well, but mm-hmm. when, when he was on the phone to him and mm-hmm. previously, that sort of the, the coldness, but also a bit of un- like an undertone of understanding, but also I'm a WWE employee, I have to do my job, I can't hire you. Um, it was a really nice nuance and a nice play of that. Um... I'm going to talk, talking, moving on to um, the choreography of the film, because in all sports movies, there is a, there is the sort of performance of the sport itself. Now, Florence Pugh had a stunt double in this film. Um, the stunt double was called Tessa Blanchard, um, but she um, she did a lot of the like the choreography and the the fight films fight scenes herself, and um, I think that. Predominantly, it was well choreographed, and the the scenes were cinema. Ta- they translated well to the screen. Mm-hmm. I don't mm-hmm. know what your thoughts mm-hmm. are. Well, yeah, because I suppose the first time we, you know, the opening scene of the film is a montage. Yeah, is a montage of them wrestling. Yes, uh, as a family in the ring. That's the first time we meet them. And yeah, for me, they handled it really well because I think they could have gone. They could have gone two ways. They could have gone to the extreme and shown it as being really brutal and really violent. Or they could have gone the other way and made it look like a dance. And they went for plumb in the middle, which is exactly what wrestling is. It is a violent dance, essentially. Yes. Uh, and they went plumb in the middle. And I thought that was absolutely the right way to go. I was a, I actually have to say, my only feeling about the wrestling in the film is I thought all the stuff in the gym, all the stuff in Norwich was done really well. I thought the performance centre was handled really well. For me, the climax of the film... Yeah, um, yeah I was about to say... Against yeah. AJ Lee... I don't know why. I just felt like they were missing some beats somehow. Um, I just didn't quite buy it as the climax of the film. 
I think perhaps because they stuck with the exact same kind of shooting style of the moves, they it kind of felt exactly the same as it had felt when she was wrestling back in Norwich. And in a way it should, because that is just the same thing. They are just performing the same moves on a bigger stage. But for me, it lacked a little bit of the... I didn't quite feel the pressure through the film that Paige must have been feeling in that moment. I didn't quite get it. And I think I've said to you before, the moment for me which didn't quite ring true is she, when she pins AJ for three and she lifts, and she lifts the title. I can't quite figure out why, but for me, it didn't quite feel like the emotional crescendo of the film that it should have done. Mm. If that makes sense. Well, I think they. I, I remember watching that fight, and I think what actually happens at the end of the end of the fight is that Paige rolls up AJ Lee, and it's a quick three count, and she wins the title and sort of runs and escapes from the ring. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Smash and grab. Smash and grab, exactly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, a very very famous wrestling technique. Mm-hmm. Um, however. That won't make that doesn't make a good finale of the film. Like like what should happen probably is a a long twenty minute Iron Man match or something like that. Mm-hmm. If it was a completely down to creative license, mm-hmm. um, I agree. I feel like that scene does feel rushed. And I feel like I feel like something about it, something about the camera angles that work. It feels like you're missing bits of the action. It feels mm-hmm. like it's it's mm-hmm. going to the wrong part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for um, me, I think that was the only point where I felt they weren't quite nailing the filming of the wrestling moves. Couldn't quite figure out why. Um, it's tough to put my finger on I'd have to go back and watch it again but yeah it just I'm glad to hear you say it as well it just felt a little bit like it was missing some beats of that in there and I can't quite figure out yeah. why but yeah but I think the best example of how to do choreography in this film is when um, Paige comes back from the US to fight a mm-hmm. one a one night only Christmas special mm-hmm. at her parents wrestling company against her brother and she is supposed to win um, and go over low to the fans and then her brother destroys her and wins, um, and then and then takes away all the thunder from the event. And well, he, he ignores the plot, he ignores the script, exactly. He? He ignores the booking. Yes, the Norwich right. screw job, so to speak. The Norwich <laughs> screw job, so to speak. I yeah. love it. I love it. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So that I feel like that is quite brutal, and that is the I, for me that's that is a storytelling of the choreography that wrestling actually inspires in me. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Going on to the next thing, I'm sort of going down down a list of this. In terms of the WWE studios in general, do you think this is the best film they've produced so far? Well, so I mean, we've had really since WWE Studios was formed, we've had kind of two generations of their films. We had the kind of, you know, we had the Marine yes. films where just relentless, cheap Hollywood knockoff looking films that are about American kind of jingoism and uh, nationalism, really. Cheaper Michael um, Bay. Yeah, cheaper Michael Bay. Cheaper Michael Bay, really. Um, although I think that is criticising Michael Bay too much, which is difficult to do, but uh, I think we might be. Um, I, 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 I found Welcome that generation podcast, of very poor. And then, of course, <laughs> and then, and then of course we had the, recently, they've, they've been trying to get their market age lower, and we've had crossovers. As I, as I, as I mentioned earlier, we've, the last couple of films they've done, they, had, they did a crossover with the Flintstones. Yes. And they did a crossover with Surf's Up. And Scooby-Doo. And indeed Scooby-Doo, and indeed Scooby-Doo. And both Surf's Up and Scooby-Doo, Paige has a voice role in. Um, yes, she does. She does indeed. Because, um, of course, very sadly, she was 
and I was perform at that time. So she was, you know, doing voice work for them. And I she's feel good, like, actually. I feel like we should give context to the fact that Paige is not mm-hmm. performing. I don't mean mm-hmm. to interrupt you. We'll come back to no, it. Absolutely. But I feel like it's important to give context. Paige, after after the climax of the film, which sort of charts her winning the WWE Championship on her first ever opening night of Monday Night Raw. She was the earliest ever champion. Um, I, I don't mean earliest. I mean youngest at 21. And she was the first ever Divas champion to win the championship um, on her debut. Um since then, she helped formulate a like the so-called women's revolution. I say so-called because I still have problems with the women's revolution to this day. I think it's I think it's good they've got they've got much more airtime. But I remember when it when the women's revolution was starting, they had such interesting stories. Um, they had a particular one with Charlotte Flair, who is such an amazing wrestler, um, versus Sasha Banks, and they had a feud, and they were the f- and the feud was best basically based on which women was doing the best thing. So Charlotte was unbeatable. Um, Sasha was unbeatable at pay-per-view. They performed in the first Iron Man match. They performed in the first Steel Cage match together. And it was all about one-upping each other. The first Women's Battle Royal. Exactly, yes. And all of these different things forms the Women's Revolution. Revolution, And they have, um, there's now a Women's Royal Rumble and etc. Um, and that is all fantastic because women's wrestling for so long has been pillow fights. Um, and and that's bra not and panties matches. Bra and panties matches, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't used to be like that. Um, China, a, f- a famous wrestler called China in the late nineteen nineties. Oh no, early nineteen nineties to mid two thousands. Is that right? I think I think she made her debut ninety five. Ninety five. Okay, yeah. Um, the ninth wonder of the world. The ninth wonder of, and she was. Um, she, China is one of my favorite wrestlers because she is just a behemoth. She would. Like, a lot of the men were really worried to wrestle in the ring with her, and then they realised that this woman is a machine. You should just look at early pictures of China. Unfortunately, um, Jody, the woman who um, is China, um, passed away um, rec- quite recently, about... A couple of years ago. A couple of years ago now. Um, Although she is, of course, this year being inducted into the Hall of Fame. Finally. Finally. But... As cruci- part of a team. As part of a as team. As part of a stable, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those things, like... if. Yeah, it's 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 one of those sort of like we'll only induct you if you're part of the the stable, and mm-hmm. that doesn't work mm-hmm. in my book. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you had China, you had wrestlers like Trish Stratus, but you also had every other female wrestler of that time did not have the physical prowess, or more likely was just even if they did, they were looked at as sex objects. Mm-hmm. And so this woman revolution was supposed to bring up something. Unfortunately, it didn't manifest in in my opinion in the best ways. It could have done. It's it's got quite stale in terms of the, what women's storylines is, and it's mainly championship wrestling. Whereas the men's wrestling, you have several several different th- storylines. Whereas in women's, you sort of have championship, and now there's a new tag team, and that's mm-hmm. it. That's yeah, that's definitely. the opportunity. I mean, I'm, I'm I'm with you in that. Yeah, the women's revolution. But of course, the film mentions in the end credits. It talks about the women's revolution. Yes, um, I'm with you that it is not necessarily perfect, but I think it is it is progress, and sometimes. Progress for progress's sake is good, even if it is not necessary. You know, there is an argument that the WWE is is cashing in on the so-called woke movement. Yes, because they realise that's where the money is. And if there's one thing the McMahon's are good at, it's finding where the money is. Correct. Um, but there's no denying that. Yeah, when Paige came through, she was part of this group of women who were being, you know, looked at as as athletes. Crucially, maybe athletes who were being objectified, but they were seen as athletes. Exactly. That was really, really positive. But. After only about three, four years on the on on the tour, as we mentioned, uh, Paige got an injury. Yes, she got an injury. T- took a fairly standard kick to the back, uh, and for Sasha Banks, 
And that was it, really, wasn't it? She was off on hiatus for about a year, yeah. still doing the occasional in-ring promo um, to try and come back from this injury that was actually in her neck. But in the end, uh, well, she's retired. She's retired from in-ring competition, mm. uh, age 25. Which is which a very sad. Really sad. I mean, what, what was nice is that the next day she became the general manager of SmackDown. Mm. So she had, I think it was about six to eight months of um, proper TV time. And then now she's got this film made about her. But... I don't know what where the, what the future lies for Paige because uh, her life was wrestling. Um, coming from this kind of family thing, it was she was one of what is distinctive about Paige and why there is a film about her is that she was one of the few females that looked at the time not like a blonde bombshell, but she looked like she was ready to get down and dirty in the ring, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and she and she backed that up with very good, very solid wrestling skills. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a shame. It's a real shame. It's a real loss of talent. Such a, you know, a, a really, really such a shame because she, you're right, it's been her entire life and, and she retires age 25. Yeah, exactly. Having um, had this huge climb age 21. Yeah. Um, the original question was back to what was WWE Studios and previous films, like what's the best one of them? We yes. got quite a tangent from that. I'd like to get back to it now. Let's no, go back. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, as I say, WWE Studios as, a, as an entire entity, obviously it was involved in movies kind of in the early 2000s, but when it was fully formed as WWE Studios and started pushing out stuff, um, this for me stands out head and shoulders above anything else they've done. Correct. Um, and I do think part of that may be they did not have full artistic control. You know, they, they, they this is not an in-house production. This is a co-production. Uh, and I think that that should be a lesson to everybody, really, that this is the way to go. You know, this this is not written by one of their in, in-house writers. You know, Stephen Merchant has taken this on. Dwayne Johnson, of course, pr- produces it as well. And he doesn't work in-house for WWE anymore. No. You know, he just pops up every now and then. He's a, he's a separate entity. He is now, of course, really much bigger than WWE. He, he is their superstar. And he transcends wrestling now. A lot of people don't even know him as a wrestler. Which, again, makes me feel old. Um, <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, I think it stands out head and shoulders. I think WWE finally, I think, have got it right. And I think deservedly, they will get a lot of credit for it. And I think they deserve it because they have kept an aspect of control over this story. But they have not, as I say, it's not been written by the in-house team. It's not been produced by their in-house production team. It's been in, uh, And I think that really, really shows. It's a really good film aside from the wrestling. I mean, I think the first thing I said to you when I came out of it yesterday, was I, I had a friend that I wanted to show it to, and that friend is not into wrestling, but I was like, they'll love that film. Mm. Because I think it stands on its own, outside of wrestling, as a good film. And you know, if we hold it up to the barometer of, of good films that are not about what they're about, you know, a lot of people refuse to watch Rocky, because they go, oh, I don't want to watch a boxing film. Of course, anyone that's seen Rocky knows that it's... it's so a, much more. It's not a film about boxing. Yeah. You know, it's a film about love and emotion and, and drive and trying to reach the top. And boxing just happens to be the story. And I feel like that's the same with this, really. It, it's a story about family. It's a story about chasing dreams. It's a story about, you know, hard work and sacrifice. And also, you know, how much it can hurt to not get your dreams. Yeah. Um, and, and also, and wrestling just happens to be the vehicle through which those things are achieved. And yeah. I think that's absolutely the right way to put something like this forward. And I think it really passes that test. It passes the Rocky test, as it were. Yes. Yes, it does pass the Rocky test. Um, I think we should go on to critic quotes. I think we should. I think we should. We should start wrapping this up. I think we said, I said quite a lot about the film. I think I'm proud of what we've said. Um, so I suppose it comes on to my best description. My best description is by Annie Bundle from NBC News. Think. Think is in capital letters. They really want us to think. <laughs> um, 
And she says, a surprisingly lovely piece and a reminder that no matter what the subject, movies always shine when everyone remembers the point is a great story told well. I think that's very true. I think that it's, that's the point of this story. That the point of this story is that it's, it's the point of the story is told well. That's, that's an actual sentence that I said. Um, but what's, what's great about this film is that, like you were saying, it's not a film about wrestling, it's a film about life and love and etc. And it focuses in on family it focuses on identity as key tropes. It focuses on losing your dreams. And those big key themes, like, carry this movie forward. And it really, like, goes ham on, like, pushing... Like, talking about that a lot. Um, yeah, I think, that's, I think it's pretty apt for Mary. Um, who is your best description, mate? Well, I have gone for... I've gone nice and simple. It's Mark Kermode's review in The Guardian. Oh! Mark Kermode chose this as his... Film of the week in the Guardian, which I hugely, hugely appreciated. Oh. And uh, I, your your listeners may not know, I, I'm a man who uh, I used to be almost obsessed with Mark Kermode. Mark Kermode for me was the barometer of films, and I was absolutely obsessed. And then I've never forgiven him for his five star review of Star Wars: The Last Jedi. But he said something in his in his Guardian review where he recommended it as his film of the week that I think really um, sums it up. He says the film manages to work around behemoths such as the WWE and still feel oddball and indie. Um, he says we need more heart in motion pictures and this has it in spades yeah I think that sums it up really well it's right Stephen Motion somehow manages to craft a film about this enormous sort of conglomerate company um, and it feels oddball it feels indie and it's full of heart and that's what I loved about it it feels like what wrestling is wrestling is oddball and it is indie as we talked about at the start it's not cool to like wrestling no Um, it is oddball it is indie and we love it and it's got heart and I thought that was an absolutely brilliant way to sum it up for Mark Kermode. So he's starting to get my uh, get my attention back. Well, I talk about it every week on the podcast. I love it. Every love single it. every single week I talk about Mark Kermode and how much I love him. I use him often when he's writing for The Observer as a as a critic quote. I love the man. I also agree with you, though. That review of Star Wars The Last Jedi is unwatchable. That's a whole other podcast, isn't it? That is a whole podcast in itself of just, like, me criticising and shouting at Mark Kermode. Like, like, every episode of that podcast is, like, 30 seconds we, we, of course, saw The Last Jedi together. We did indeed see The Last Jedi together. And it's the, I think it's the only film where I've ever truly had the desire to walk out. There was a, it, was it is. It is the only film I've ever actually had the urge to walk out of. I didn't, but I did. I remember, when, I remember the exact moment where I think we lost the world to live, and it was when Leia flew. And I, I vividly remember looking into your eyes, and we both just went, sort of scoffed. It was like, oh, oh, and we were so angry. Um, going on, speaking of anger, my most savage review um, is from Eddie Harrison from The List. Um, he says, a comedy drama bearing the pungent whiff of a brand awareness exercise for world wrestling entertainment. I truly disagree with this. I think that WWE has been so shameful in the past, present, and probably the future mm-hmm. in terms of its marketing. Mm-hmm. Um but you're right, because this is a co-production between Film 4, Metro-Goldwyn, um, Lionsgate, etc. There's so many different production companies. The Rock's got a personal stake in it. Um, it means that it's away from WWE and it doesn't have that brand brand posturing that it does, that normally WWE does. Um, yeah, I think that's very harsh from Eddie. Yeah, I, can, yeah, I completely agree. It, it never really felt like the WWE was being pushed too heavily no I mean you had the one thing where you know Zach stands up and he goes oh the WWE champion is what everyone's every little boy dreams of from the age of five years old which felt a little bit a little bit yeah. on the nose as it were but in general I thought they actually showed the WWE for what it is a place where not everyone gets their dreams and a lot of people work very hard 
and some people get there and they get to stardom and I thought they showed that really really well yeah. and I'd never felt like we were being hit over the head with the kind of proverbial WWE hammer as it were exactly um, I think well I also think that WWE is in such a weird spot where they don't they, they brand themselves so ridiculously but they haven't felt fresh like they're fighting because there's not really there's still no direct competition Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I remember watching like back to the days of TNA when at least there was some kind of alternative. Oh, yeah. And there is still indie alternatives to WWE. There's lot, There's so many sort of s- smaller... I mean, King, um, King, not King of the Ring, um, Japanese pro, pro wrestling um, and um, the Mexican wrestling circuit are famous and they've got really, really good wrestlers behind them. But they don't have the same showmanship or grand scale TV network I mean, yeah, I mean, you've conglomerates. Got, you've, you've got things like Ring of Honor. Which yes, is doing, which is doing pretty well, and Ring of Honor is getting a lot of momentum. But you're right; there is no big competitor. You know, ever since uh, you know, ever since Vince McMahon won the Monday Night Wars, ever since he won that, they've they've just been cruising. And you're right; it, it, they really struggle to feel fresh. Yeah. And in fact, this film may may help them. This film may give them finally a little bit of relevance in people's lives. Because if they can tell stories like pages, because crucially, there's loads. Some of the resting stories you listen to and hear are fantastic. I don't, I don't think that Paige's story is unique in the wrestling world of amazing, emotional, powerful stories mm-hmm. to do with wrestling. I'd love to see a fully dramatised Undertaker film. I think it'd be amazing. We'll go back and look at Mean Mark Calloway and see uh, exactly and yes. see who he became. The, wasn't he the dentist at one point as well? That was Kane. Oh, that was Kane. That who was the dentist. Kane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane yeah. was the dentist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, all these yeah. all these silly roles, and then they become these iconic characters. Yeah, and have been through so. Much. And then you've also got people who are running for office in different WWE roles. That's fascinating well, again, itself. Glenn, again, Glenn Jacobs is now the mayor. I can't remember his name, but Glenn Jacobs, who of course plays Kane. Yeah. Glenn Jacobs is now an elected mayor. Absolutely. Scary right wing politics, though. Indeed. Well, and of course, Linda McMahon is in Trump's cabinet. Yes, she is. Linda McMahon is in Trump's cabinet. She's secretary for small business. Um, which again, scary. Scary <laughs> stuff. Scary world we live in. <laughs> um, well, let's go on to something more positive. Best moment. My best moment of the film is... Oh, hello. Uh, a confrontation between Paige and her brother in the pub. Um, or there's a scene on a bus when Paige confronts other WWE women's wrestlers. And she, and she says, can you stop bitching about me? And they're like, actually, no, we're not pitching about you. And she shows a picture of her kid on the phone. And she was like, you've never asked about this kid because you, you, we're all just bimbos and, bimbos and sluts and cheerleaders to you. Mm-hmm. And I think that's quite powerful. It, 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 it clicks Paige back into the real world um, of, of saying that, yes, these women might be beautiful and they, they might be intimidating, but that's actually on Paige. That's not on them. Mm-hmm. Um, I, think it's, I think it's a good moment. Your best moment? So for me, I just want to say first of all that I, I massively agree with you. I thought that moment was amazing yeah. because it was it broke down what a lot of a lot of I think maybe I think maybe it is on part of the male wrestling fans a lot the view that obviously they mentioned the thing that is true that WWE takes a lot of models and cheerleaders yes and turns them into female wrestlers and it's very easy, isn't it, as a fan to look at that and go, oh, they're not proper wrestlers or they haven't been you know in the business for 10, 15 years. But there's that moment, isn't there, where where Paige, Paige says, I didn't know you had a daughter. And then the character goes, oh, you never asked. Mm. And it, you realise that actually, yeah, we, we, do, we, we see through the lens of Paige very often, we see these women who are very beautiful and have been models. We just see them as airheads, essentially. We don't think what's between there, but they've got lives, they've got children, they've got families to feed. And they're, they're all working their bollocks off, basically, to try and... Uh, they're all working their asses off. <laughs> they're all working their asses off, basically, to... Uh, to uh, 
They're all working their asses off to try and get there, and that's really, really impressive. That's yeah. really, really impressive, I think. Um, my favourite moment for me, um, and I have to say, this wasn't the one I originally picked. This came to me uh, in the shower, actually. I remembered it vividly. Is There's a confrontation moment between Paige and her brother, Zach, where Zach accuses her of having stolen his dream, mm. which originally was going to be my favourite moment, but it's not. It's, it's a little branch off of that. Immediately after that, we have a whole resolution between the siblings and, and Zach finally starts to feel proud of her. And then in the climactic battle between Paige and AJ Lee, at one point, one of the people watching with Zach turns to Zach and says, she stole your move. And he says, she didn't steal it. I gave it to her. Which I thought was so beautiful because, of course, he's talking about, he's talking about her dream. He says, she didn't steal it from me. She didn't steal it from me. She got there. I helped her get there. There she is and I'm proud of her. And I thought that was really, really beautiful, and it was a really clever bit of script writing, which I really, really enjoyed. That is, yeah, that's that. I, I even I forgot about that moment. But that is beautiful. Mm -hmm. I never. I, I, he, yeah. he, she uses his finisher, the Zack attack. The Zack attack. And uh, <laughs> and uh, shout out to Zodiac Zack. Still wrestling. Still only twenty eight. Oh, uh, the other amazing thing about this film is that we didn't we didn't know there's a there's a whole thing in this film about Zack teaching a blind wrestler how to wrestle, mm -hmm. and we at the time were like. God, they are labouring the point yeah, of this. Bit much, do we? Bit much. And it's real. Turns the... out he really did train a blind man to wrestle who turned professional. No, I didn't know that. What? Yeah, he, he wrestled professionally. Yeah. Wow, that's it, it, it's an incredible story. Like, I would, I, I want that to be the next film. Definitely. Yeah, that should be the Definitely. next film. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. So yeah, rating. What would what would you rate this film, mate? I would. Uh, I would probably give this as a wrestling fan. I'd give it a nine. Yeah. As a film fan, give it a seven. So I think I've got to go somewhere in the middle, and I'm going to have to plump for an eight. Okay. Really, really strong film, well executed. Loved it as a wrestling fan, as also a lover of film. I thought it was a really well crafted film. Um, and yeah, I'd give it an eight. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I would give it a seven point five. Similar reasons to you. There's no. You love a point five, don't you? Yeah, I do love a point five. <laughs> I think I think I brought in the point fives in this podcast. I think so. I, I, I love it. I yeah, because I because I, I just think that. Doing it out of 10 allows for the 0.5s more than the 3. I, I understand that doing it out of 10, uh, we've done it for so long now that it just seems like yesterday, but at most movie reviews are out of 5 star. But I kind of like the fact we do it out of 10. It's, it, it adds more 0.5s, it adds a bit more nuance into it. it nuance moves, is always a good thing, of course. Yep. And it also has meant that we've not had a 5 star review for a film yet, but we've had 9.5 or a 9, which... which Allows for more differentiation between mm -hmm. the between the mm -hmm. next mm -hmm. couple of films. You've sold me. I'm sold. Out <laughs> of ten concept, I'm sold. Okay, good. I'm, I'm glad you are. Um, and that is it for this week's bonus episode. I have had the best time talking to you, my friend. I'm so glad we did this. Delighted, delighted to come on. Delighted to come and chat. They need to make more wrestling films. They make more wrestling films. I'll come on again. Yeah, please do. Please, anytime, mate. Any at any time. Um, as always, please like us on Instagram, Fifty Two Week Film Project, on our Facebook page, Fifty Two Week Film Project. Um, give us an email at Fifty Two Week Film Project at gmail dot com. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Uh, leave us a recommendation on Facebook. Tom Thornhill is still the only person who has given us a recommendation on f Facebook. Am I really? You are s still the only person. Well, come on, guys. Sort it out. Sort a it out. Correct. Step up. Yes, a correct. Step up to the streets. That, the, the terrible reference. Great film reference. <laughs> Great film reference. Um, Channing Tatum, right? Yeah, I think so. Channing Tatum covered in water dancing. 
Everyone's having a great time, mate. Everyone's having, having everyone's, everyone is having best, the best time. Um, and that is that is it. Tune in next week for um, finally we're getting to do Leaving Neverland. We've been tra- we've been talking about it for weeks, um, and we are finally going to actually cover it. So stay tuned for intellectual conversations and maybe some harrowing stuff but hopefully we'll find a through line at the end of it thank you very much Tom oh, thank you for having me um, and I don't think I can really leave the podcast in any other way than to say in the words of Mick Foley have a nice day 